Huddle up. He's going to spot up for three, lets it fly. Yes! It's time for the Brian Gregory Show on USF Bulls Unlimited. The Bulls are looking good. Men's basketball play-by-play man Jim Lighthall sits down with the head coach of the Bulls for all the inside info you need. I mean, does it get any better than that? Now with BG, here's Jim. Welcome back to another edition of the Brian Gregory Show. Jim Lighthall and the head coach himself sitting down to talk Bulls basketball. Coach, uh, we've had three games played since the last time we did this show. Uh, You've got another two coming up here over the next week. Uh, It seems like every game you play has been a nail-biter, and I know you said this at the very start of the season. uh, The separation in this league in particular is not very great. Everybody's lumped together, and that's why you're getting close games. Yeah, you see it in every game. You know, now there's some outliers, obviously. And I thought for 30 minutes the other night against East Carolina, we played a separation game. You know, we we were able in those last four minutes of the first half, take a two or three point lead and extend it. And we did through the first 10 minutes of the second half. So you're going to have some of those. But for the most part, you know, five out of our seven losses are by six points or less, four by three points or less. You know, I, I think there's it's just the way the, the league is very competitive league. The difference in talent level isn't great between one team and another. I think experience has been a big factor. And I think, you know, you, you end up making your own breaks when you're disciplined and you, and you play with great focus and, and intensity. I know coaches like double-digit wins. Everybody likes double-digit wins. But they also like to see some close games so that you can see end-of-game situations. You've probably seen all of your end-of-game situations already. Yeah, I mean, like, again, you go through the thing. I think it's 10 out of our 13 losses are by six points or less. So what that means for people listening is that the game is going down to the last two, three minutes of the game, possession by possession at that time, where any time you either have the ball or you're on defense, it's a one- or two-possession game. I mean, there's an excitement to that. There's no doubt about that. I'm getting too old for that excitement. I like I like the double-digit wins. Now, you know, we, we've won some close games and we've lost some close games. Uh, so as you head into, again, you know, kind of the second half of the conference season, we started off 1-0, which is exactly what we wanted to do. we got to win some of those. And there's going to be four, five, six more. When you have a great season, you win 80% of those games. When you have a good one, it goes 50-50. And when you have a bad one, you lose 80%. We're a little under 500 right now in that, so we need to pick it up and get to 80%. And then all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a season turns into a 18, 19, 20 win season, and now your seating changes dramatically as you go to Dallas, Jim. And you know this, who we've played everybody except Tulsa and Tulane right now. You know what I mean? And we've either won or played them tough. So we got to be playing well when we go out to Dallas, and we have eight games to keep building on that. Last game you played was Wednesday night. You beat East Carolina, as mentioned, 71-63. We'll talk about that game, also the Temple game and uh, the SMU game as we look back and then the couple games coming up. Now, I bring all that up because you haven't played since Wednesday. You don't play again until Wednesday when you get Memphis in this building. You've had a week off this late in the season. I'm sure it's good for the players, the staff, the support staff, the broadcasters. Everybody needs a little rest and a little time away. Yeah, I I thought it was good. You know, two different days off. Two shorter but hard practices where we just focused on the South Florida Bulls, which I think was good. Um, I did sneak in some some actions and coverages for the Memphis prep as well without them recognizing it. But I thought it was 
it was good. And then another day off and then two days of prep where we get back on a normal routine. Um, and then we're pretty much solid the rest of the way. Two days game, two days game, day off. Two game, you know, so get back to do I like it better that way? Yeah, I, I do. Because the one thing that I always say is these guys are still going to school. They got study hall. They got all this stuff. And the more concise and, and organized their schedule is, the better they're going to be in those other areas that are critical as well. But it doesn't always work that way. But I think we utilize the, this bye week, this off week very well. The game on Wednesday night had a lot going on. In fact, that entire day was very busy. Arthur Jones Day, uh, there was so much happening around the Muma Center and then at that game in particular. Uh, you did get the win. We'll talk about the game itself in a bit. But but the planning that went into having Arthur Jones and his family here from Mulberry was second to none, and it was executed perfectly. It, it really was. And, and Arthur Jones is the first African-American athlete signed and as a student here at South Florida, for us to honor him and honor his family, to celebrate his birthday and his mom's birthday, uh, and then to do it with a win and to do it with his commitment uh, to our program and our commitment to him in terms of all our guys spending time with them and just welcoming him back and humbled to be the head coach that honors him in what is long overdue, Jim. And obviously... We don't like to give, and he's not here, so it's even better, give Joey Johnson any credit on anything, you know what I mean? But he did an unbelievable job. And then he kind of got Ryan Cardock involved in it, and then he got Bulls Vision and all that for this special tribute. And when those three entities got together uh, with the, the heart for celebrating Arthur Jones's uh, life, man, it was spectacular. It's easy to say for two 56-year-old guys sitting here how special that it was and the historical significance. Now let's talk about the 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds that got to witness all that and did it sink in. Yeah, you know, like, and you and I have had this discussion time and time again. Would we have got it when we were 18 to 22? A piece of it. I think, I think these guys are more socially aware than we were at that age. So I think they get it. The full magnitude, no. Because to be honest with you, how can you? Unless you lived it. Unless you were right next to them. But they get it, and it was impactful. When I talked to them the day before, and it came out of nowhere because they didn't know it was coming, and then they got to meet him the next day, I think it, I think it hit home. I think it hit home. Um, but I think this is when it's good, when it hit hits home initially, but it never stops. Where that feeling and that understanding continues to grow in other opportunities in other areas and it's and they they act as a conduit for spreading it that's when you know it's impacted them the most and I and I could see that I can see that this kicks off a celebration really of USF basketball past as Rodenko Dobras day will happen on Wednesday night one of the best to ever play here his uniform hangs in the rafters um, talk about his impact on this program because he's there every night he is he's at every game Knows all of our guys, played on the best teams probably that ever played here, um, and was the best player. And definitely the most impactful, and, and his versatility was, was huge before versatility was a thing. You know what I mean? I mean, he was ahead of his time. Um, 
but he's so intimately involved in the program, so invested in the program for us to honor his career and honor uh, and celebrate his impact on our program. Um, it was interesting listening to Coach Pascal talk about, you know, we took a chance on him. No one really knew, you know what I mean? That lucky dog, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What an impact he made, and, and um, it's great. It's great to honor him, not only because of that, but because he's here every day, sometimes you almost take it for granted. So it's really, it's going to be a special night. Yeah, so that will be Wednesday in the game against Memphis. He'll be honored at halftime, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to him at the half as well right here on Bulls Unlimited. All right, to change gears a little bit, some uh, some things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, for folks that, you know, I'm, I'm sure they know when you go on the road, uh, everybody is in a hotel together the day before the game, eat together, you're all on the same uh, floor typically. The UCF game was a home game, and you put everybody in a hotel the night before. Why did that happen? And it obviously worked because you beat UCF, uh, but that's something that's very unique for a home game. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I think two things. I think people would be surprised how many college basketball teams around the country do that for all the home games where they bring their guys into the, a local hotel or like we have a hotel on campus uh, and have them stay there. Couple, couple reasons. One, you know exactly when they're going to bed. You know what I mean? Two, you know exactly what they're eating, that, that, that snack the night before a game. And it just gives you time again to get together. One of the things that I think is, is maybe under undervalued right now is just how isolationist our guys have become due to COVID in the years that follow. Our guys, for 18, 20 months, were in the Mooma Center for practice, twice a week at a game, and the rest of the time they were in the room by themselves. And with the team, there's got to be a connection. So we looked at it going into that game. We had played better on the road. And why is that? Maybe it's because we're spending 48 hours with each other uh, prior to the game. So the other reason why, Jim, is this was our third game in six days. We got back late Wednesday night. I wanted our guys to get a good night's rest. We didn't have as much prep time, so getting together that night and 15 minutes worth of it was important. Uh, getting the guys up for the pregame meal and making sure everybody was up and ready to go. And the other thing is you know where the guys are at night. You know what I mean? You know exactly where the guys are at night. And, and we can laugh at that and all that. But if you take a look at what's happened with, with these college athletes around the country the night before the game, the night after a game, man, it's scary. It's scary. And so we thought it was a, a good move, and it turned out to be a great move because of the results the next day. Uh, the second National Signing Day has now come and gone. You have three guys that are going to be under scholarship for next year. I wanted to run through some of these guys because yeah. we're starting to get to the end of the high school basketball season. Uh, let's start with Anthony Robinson, a 6'10 kid. He's from Peachtree, Georgia, playing in Arden, North Carolina right now. Uh, talk about his progress. I mean, his team is, I think, 31-2, and 31-3. He's having a great year. 6'10, um, got a great frame, can run, can jump, really knows how to play. His best basketball, like all 6'10", 18-year-olds, is in front of him. Uh, but he's got things you can't teach. Quick off his feet, got great speed, unbelievable work ethic, nice shooting touch. He is, um, you know, I think defensively being – I think he'll be like Russ on the ball screens and maybe a little bit like Doc around the basket. He kind of combines both where he can block shots and so forth. 
and can really run the court. So with the pace that we're playing at, uh, he's going to be a monster force running down the middle of the court and, and playing for that over-the-top stuff. His numbers look pretty much the same as they were last year, yeah. around nine, ten points, nine rebounds, two blocks per game. All right, Tyler Ringgold, 6'7", kid from Baton Rouge. He's playing at Legacy Early College in Greenville, South Carolina. Just saw they played IMG the other day. Uh, he's playing at a really high level. Yeah, you know, he's playing on that national circuit with the with the prep schools and, and uh, growing, getting better every day. Obviously went to a very small school. He's player of the year in Louisiana last year as a junior state champion. Uh, so he, he knew to prepare him for college, playing at a higher level against better competition. And not only the games, on a day-in and day-out basis. He's really shooting the ball well. He's put on some weight. We got to get him in the weight room. We got to get him uh, – but he's just – He's one of those guys that just has a really, really good feel for the game. Can play multiple positions. And I think, again, uh, a guy that, because of the way we're playing, really fits in well. Miles Che is 6'3". He's from Anaheim, California. He's at the Skill Factory in Atlanta. Coach, every time I watch film of him, I just get more and more impressed. And from everything I hear, so are college coaches. Yeah, he's got a chance to be special from day one. He's got an unbelievable feel for the game, can score from the point guard, but is a true point guard. Tremendous off the bounce, tremendous at finding guys, passes well, runs the team. With our fast break and some of our ball screen stuff, he's got a chance to be special here. Well, those three guys will be here next year. We still have plenty of games left for this squad coming up as we hit the month of February and then into March. Coach, we'll recap the last three games you played and get you ready for the Memphis game on Wednesday and Saturday on the road against Cincinnati. January 24th, we went to Philadelphia. Close game against Temple. You lost 79-76. Had a shot at the end of regulation to win it. Didn't go down. Then a shot at the end of overtime to tie it that didn't go down. Uh, this was a wild affair. Uh, you came back in this one. You had had some leads early in the conference schedule that got away. This one, you were down late in the game, and you came roaring back to force the overtime. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you think about it, how, how much closer can the game be? The score was tied at halftime, tied at the end of regulation. But as you said, we were down, I think, eight or nine mm. in the second half with about eight minutes to go. Went to the zone a little bit to, to let us catch our breath, but also, you know, you, you, you test them. Have they prepared for it? Are they ready for it? Where's their comfort level? And then we stuck We stuck with it. We we ran it, though, other than baseline out of bounds, we ran it every possession the last eight minutes and in, and in overtime as well. And it was effective. It really was. Uh, got us back in the game, gave us a chance to win the game. We didn't make some plays at, at the end there that you're cap were capable of making. You, you can't go 8 of 21 from the free throw line. I was just going to say, the free throw is the most maddening thing, I think, in basketball because the night before, or the previous game, you go 20 of 22 against UCF, right. same 15 feet away, basket's still the same if we can use the Hoosier references, uh, but then you go 8 of 21 on the road that night and, and essentially cost you the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can, you know, that there's there's outliers. Re remember what we always say, Here, here's our, our, our objectives for every game. 40% or less from the field. That's our defensive field goal percentage. Uh, plus eight on the glass. 12 or less turnovers. More free throws than our opponents. All right? Doesn't necessarily say how well you got to shoot or whatever the case might be, but more just because those are like hustle stats. Those show that you're, you know. The problem is you can win all those. The outlier is 
if you go 8 of 21, a lot of those stats, it doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Because that is such an outrageously poor stat that it trumps everything else. And that was unfortunate. Again, you know, the one thing is none of those guys are going up there to try to miss those. They're playing their tail off, playing hard, competing, physical, tough environment against the second-best team in the league. And we lose the game because on that particular night, we just shoot the ball very poorly. Keyshawn goes three for eight. Russ, who had been shooting 70%, goes three for eight. It, that one hurts because of that. Oh, you mentioned Keyshawn Bryant. He had 21 points. That was a team high. He was 8 of 12 from the floor, made a couple of threes. He was spectacular that day and really carried you for some stretches. Yeah, he did. And, and uh, you know, did a good job in terms of his activity in, in that zone as well. But, yeah, gave us a big lift. And, and um, offensively, when he's moving and going to the glass, everything else picks up. You know, everything else picks up. And so that was good to see. And we need to see that more as we end, you know get to the end of the year. Here's the way we called it back in Philadelphia. Here comes Tyler Harris back the other way. Hesitates to Keyshawn. And there's a two-handed flush. Oh, he cracked the Liberty Bell with that one. It's done. Sets his feet, fires a three, and got it. With 11 seconds to go before the intermission. Dribble penetration set that up. Here's Tyler Harris. Crosses midcourt with five. Now with four. Stops. Steps back. Launches a three from deep. That's good! With a second to go. The dagger from the littlest guy in the floor. And he ties the game at 34. You want me to wait till the last second to make my first shot by god i'll do it now he gets it to white he's going to drive it into contact floater off the rim didn't go and oh my heaven sakes the latest whistle in the history of whistle the lead is 10 and temple continues to get points at the line on top of everything else yep now 13 of 18 from the free throw line bowl six of 15 which is not good three for 10 in the second half Corey walker rebound he's gonna go right back to the basket goes over john gooch and got the shot to go back to a six point game with five and a half left i don't know what's gotten into Corey walker the last two games but he is showing signs of being somebody the bulls can rely on he's playing great eight points for Corey walker to go along with six rebounds walker with another rebound outlet to tyler harris here comes the bulls lead pass to Keyshawn bryant floater off the window good it's a four-point game 65 61 this is bryant elevates fires from 16 splash down Keyshawn bryant has 20 his first 20 point game as a bull how about it Keyshawn bryant clutch clutch tonight eight of 11 from the field and the bulls have cut it to two corner goes to white drives to the baseline back to the top battle four on the shot clock fires and hits a three that stops the 8-0 run pass inside to chiwa who was wide open great look from walker and a great finish from chiwa one point game now into the corner it goes to battle step back with 208 to go in the game and he hits another three not justice at all, as well as the Bulls played on defense in that possession to have Killiff Battle throw in a three-pointer. And they're going to say this might be a two. I know they're going to look at it again. They're going to call it a two. Boy, they were a lot more confident in that than I was because I could have looked at that all day and couldn't have made a decision. Ah, that's what these guys do for a living, Jim. <laughs> Bulls are down three. Two minutes to play. Every possession magnified at this point. Tyler Harris. Crossover dribble. Here comes the double team. He comes back. It's another screen from Chiwa. Still a double team. Walker with a touch. Back to Harris. Tries to go around battle. Gets to the free throw line. Now gets into the paint. Leaves it for Russ. Layup. Good. Fouled. A chance at a three-point play. And Russ was the beneficiary of all the hard work by the point guard right there. Chance to complete the three-point play for Russ. Good. A big one right there. And it's tied at 70. How about it? We are tied. A few minutes to go. 
This game was teetering out of control, and now the Bulls have battled back. Here's Chiwa at the line. Fires around the rim and off. They there's, just can't make a free throw. There's your story. Yeah. Blocked by Corey Walker and picked up by USF. Here comes Tyler Harris the other way. Passes left side to Bryant. Sets his feet. Fires a three. That's off the rim. Long rebound. Corey Walker got it. Gets it to Tyler Harris. Kicks it in the corner. Selton Miguel. Bulls still down five. They haven't scored in the extra session. Three minutes to go. Harris drifting left. Gets a screen from Chiwa. Passes back to Selton Miguel. He's got Damian Dunn on him. He's going to go to the basket, throws a runner. That's good. Snakes his way in there and lays it in. It's down to three, 75-72. That'll give him the shot. Battle, left wing. Shot clock down to four. He's going to pull the trigger. Shot clock at three. Steps back, launches. Off the rim, didn't go. Tipped and knocked out of bounds. Last touched by the Temple Owls. It'll be Bulls ball with 2.09 remaining. Exactly two minutes left to go in overtime. Miguel straight on. It's going to launch a three. Yes, to tie it at 75. The Bulls have scratched and clawed their way back. And Selton Miguel has scored all five points for the Bulls in overtime. He's got 15. All right, Coach, so you stay on the road. You go down to Dallas to battle SMU. This was five nights later. Uh, boy, there's been some wild games in Dallas, even in your tenure. So there's been some blowouts. There's been some close wins. There's been some crazy finishes. Uh, this one was another one that came right down to the last shot of the game. Yeah, I, I, you know, and again, I didn't think in, in the first half we played very well. Uh, down 12, I believe, and, and should have been down six. You know, now if you're down six, the second half's a lot different. Down 12, a step slow in, in, our, in our defense, not enough crisp execution in our offense turnovers you know just not 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 forced ones unforced ones and like I would say you got to give SMU credit because they took advantage of it you you know they took advantage of it and built a 12-point lead second half we played better uh in particular the last eight eight minutes of the game played better executed better moved the ball Got the shots we wanted. Tyler got it going a little bit, but he got it going because he got off the ball and we moved the ball and we shared the ball. Um, you know, so that put us in position. We had a costly turnover there at the end where we just lost focus and took our eye off the ball and tried to catch it one-handed. You know, I, I mentioned that on air because I hear you at practice all the time. You got to catch the basketball with two hands. You got to do it. You got to do it. And that was just one of those things where you just lose focus for a second, try to catch with one hand, and dropped it out of yeah. bounds. Yeah, that was too bad too. You know, and and, and you know, because if you even score one point on that possession, that now you got the ball and it's a one point game, a two point game. Um, I will say one thing: end of game play, down two, we executed the play perfectly. Um, we just didn't make the final pass. Sorrell was wide open for a game-winning three. If the guy flies out at him, Keyshawn's open up underneath the basket for a game-tying layup. Very similar to our, the action we ran against Cincinnati last year. Um, but again, give them credit. Williamson has to figure out a way to get a deflection because he's in trouble. They got three guys on the ball, and we got a, a guy who's made threes behind him. So... Give him credit on that. But all around, not a good enough game to win against a, a, a team that's been up and down but is very, very talented. 82-80 was the final score that night in Dallas. Here's the way we called it on Bulls Unlimited. ODG comes over to screen. Now he rolls to the basket, fires into the corner. Jump shot by SMU is good. It's a three by Jalen Smith. And this has ballooned into 19 in a hurry. 
Bulls have not scored in the second half. Here's Tyler Harris, long distance three. He got it to go. That's from the U and SMU. That's a long distance three. Back to 16, and that, that's certainly a big part of the hope for USF is for Tyler Harris to get hot. Harris pushes off, steps back, launches a three. Got another one. Tyler Harris was already looking at the bench for their reaction while the ball was in the air, Joey. You know, a confident shooter can get you back in, and it looks like Tyler Harris in the last few possessions is slowly regaining that confidence. Smith kicks it in the corner and runs over a man, and there was Jameer Chaplin who drew the charge. 52-39, here's Ryan Conwell, asked for a screen from Chiwa up high, bounce pass to Harris, he's wide open, he sets his feet, he fires again, that one's too strong, Chiwa tips it out, Harris ends up with it, and he'll back it out near midcourt. Nice work by Russ, between the legs twice, step back, Tyler fires a three, got another one! Tyler <laughs> Harris is heating up like a Texas afternoon! 10 points now, 52-42. And here's Phelps out near midcourt. Sorrell Smith guarding. Phelps, he's going to shoot a jump shot from 15 feet that misses. Corey Walker gets the rebound. There was still no, 20 no one, on the no shot No one block. can explain that. Yeah. No so, one. Sorrell Smith elevates, fires a three. Got it! With 104 to go in this game, and suddenly it's a four-point game. Well, you know, what, what's more unlikely, Smith with a contested three on the right wing or Phelps taking a shot with like 18 on the shot clock at the other end? No other way to say it. Dumb decision on SMU to take that shot. Another thing that needed to happen to give the Bulls a chance to get back in it. An ill-advised shot and a made three on the other end and doesn't resemble the game from 2020 at the Engling Center, but we're seeing a couple of questionable decisions by SMU that's opening the door ever so slightly for the Bulls. You don't really want to foul here in this situation. Chiwa on him. Guy's cutting to the basket. He throws a cross-court pass. <laughs> Phelps goes high to get it. 10 on the shot clock. He's in the middle of the floor. Double team comes. He picks up that dribble. His pass to Williamson. Now he throws a floater. That's off the rim and a fight for the rebound. Corey Walker had it. Mm. Russell Chiwa saves it in. They throw a pass and the Bulls take it away with 30 seconds to go. Here's Corey Walker. He's going to the basket and he dunks it with two hands. Timeout USF with 26.9 <laughs> left. It's a two-point game and SMU pulls another boneheaded play. Unbelievable. Tyler in the backcourt. Here he comes with 24 seconds to go. Bulls are down four. Got to move quickly. Still need two possessions. Tyler drifting right. Fires left side to Sorrell Smith. Tried to catch it with one hand. Dropped it out of bounds. Wasn't a great pass, but you got to catch the ball with two hands. Now the Bulls are really up against it with 15.3 seconds left. They got to foul immediately. Here's where SMU can be clutch and win it. That's the ninth foul on the Bulls. So again, a one and one. ODG taking his time. He lets it fly, and it's off the rim. Didn't go. Corey Walker gets the rebound. Lead pass to Sorrell Smith. Here's Sorrell on the left wing to Walker. Wide open for three. Let's it fly. Yes! Corey Walker with 5.8 seconds left. It's a one-point game. It's also going to be two shots for Phelps, their leading scorer this season. 4.6 remaining, two-point game. Phelps at the line. Let's fly with the first one. Around the rim and off. Wow. There the door is open. Wow. Readies himself. Up two. Let's it fly. That one's going to miss two. Rebound, Keyshawn Time Bryant. Out. Timeout, USF. Holy Toledo. How well, about that? Let me tell you this about free throws. The first one was a good look by Phelps. He just missed it. The second one? The second one was not. No. Nope. That was a lot of pressure I on that I can feel one. the sweat in his hands yeah. on the last one. That ball didn't have a chance. Nobody guarding the inbounder. Hines throws the ball to midcourt. Caught by Walker. He's got a man oh. wide open. The pass is tipped. And Sorrell Smith gets fouled. Walker fires. It's going to hit the backboard, and that's it. He misses, and the Bulls fall. 
All right, Coach, so then the game on February the 1st, we talked about Arthur Jones Day, and you celebrate that with a win, 71-63. Uh, boy, you just you played just dynamic and electric in certain spurts in this game, and I just felt like you were in control the whole way. Yeah, I mean, we, we scored 44 points in the first half. Um, we shoot 56% from the field, 61 from the three. Everybody cheer, 80% from the free throw line, four or five. We did everything right. Now, we had nine turnovers in the first half, but six of those, Jim, occurred in the first four minutes of the game. I was losing my mind. You know what I mean? But then, we, you know, we talked about, you know, we needed to, to play that with that same focus and intensity in the second half. And really, we did for 15 minutes and 45 seconds because with four minutes and 12 seconds to go in the game, it's our ball and we're up 15 points. And we have four horrendous possessions in a row, starting with that first one. We take a three off of no passes. Um, and it just kind of snowballs from there, and it gets to 10 and 8 and hold on for the nine-point win or whatever, eight-point win. And, 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 again, I understand. People, yeah, I'm disappointed in those last, you know, those last four minutes. But we didn't offensively, we didn't share and move the ball as well in the second half. We only scored 27 points compared to the 44 that we did the first half. But, you know, I thought defensively, even even in the second half, I'm, I'm getting upset on the defense. We still hold them to 37% and 14 from the from the three. It wasn't – it was our offense that second half, in particular those last four minutes, that, that made the game feel at the end that it wasn't as um, – it wasn't as positive as it needed to be. Tyler Harris pumped in five more threes. He had 21 on the day. But I want to talk real quick about the guy who's worn the Bull uniform more than anyone else on this roster, and that's Jameer Chaplin. He's played close to 90 games here. He had 17. He was doing everything right. Uh, coincidence that he wears number 24 and Arthur Jones wore number 24. Yeah, I mean, uh, he had a great night. And, again, it wasn't like he, he, he started off with a bang. It was making shot. It was steady. It was steady. Three here, offensive put back there, transition here, another three. Defensively, he was very good. He's our best perimeter player in the zone, for sure. And we played a lot of zone that, that in this game. Starting again with about four minutes to go in the first half. Just on a whim, I yelled out three. Let's get into the three, see how they handle it. And our guys did a good job of it. Um, but Chap was, was, was great. And, and if you look, you know, his numbers in league play – Jim are really, really good. He's shooting over 50% from the field in the league. Right at 50% from the field, he's shooting 35 from the three, 70 from the th uh, from the free throw line. You know, the one area I, I keep hitting him on, I need him to rebound better, and I need him to be one of our defensive pillars out there. But he's coming into his groove on offense right at, at the right time, I think. He matched his career high with 17 on Arthur Jones Day. Here's the way we called it on the first day of February at the Yingling Center. Dribble penetration by Boonche. He steps through and got blocked underneath by Selton Miguel. Great defense there. Here come the Bulls, four on two. Selton leaves it for Conwell to the basket, changes hands midair, and made it with the right hand. Well, Ryan Conwell single-handedly keeping the Bulls in it. In the early going, that's three straight buckets for the freshman. Now has six points. Corner, Selton Miguel, ball fake, dribbles to the baseline. Now back out to Sorrell, ball fake. Man flies by, step back three, got it. Sorrell Smith loves that little step back Dame Lillard type three point shot. 
and his stroke is true. R.J. Felton on the perimeter. They don't close on him. He takes a three, and he makes that. I mean, you can't give him any room. He's already proven he can make that shot. Yeah, Pirates up 22-17. 10-10 to go in the first half. Miguel, crossover dribble, goes to work on his man. Gets to the basket, off the window, high off the square, and in, and Selton Miguel makes up for it with two. 10 to go on the shot clock. Right side pass to Harris. Spots up with his jumper, and it's good for three. Tyler Harris. Well, if he gets his feet set with that much time, you can forget about it. That'll break a zone. So you now three of six from long range. Harris, long distance. Three, got another one. Tyler Harris, that was a, oh, by the way, I'm just going to go ahead and shoot this <laughs> and make another three. Well, he, he has free reign to go ahead and shoot it when he feels like it because he makes it a lot. Tyler's three for three from long range. Zone defense out of ECU. Here's a lob caught by Chaplin, and he laid it in. Beautiful pass by Tyler Harris. And that's how you get over top of a zone. Chap to the basket, throws up a runner left hand. No good. Russell Chiwa, offensive rebound on the backside. Putback is good. Bulls by three. Bulls have struggled to make close shots, but that time Russell Chiwa got the offensive rebound. Chaplin, he's going to load up a three. Bingo! Jameer Chaplin's got a pair of triples today, and the Bulls lead by six. That's their largest, and a timeout by ECU. Left side pass to Conwell. In the corner it goes. Sorrell Smith, corner three. Yes! Sorrell Smith has pushed this thing to an 11-point lead for USF. It's a 10-0 run, Bulls. Yeah, in the blink of an eye, the Bulls have got this game kind of where we thought it would be after a very slow start. Bulls have an 11-point lead. USF shooting 56%. Harris thought about the pull-up jumper, didn't take it. Passes off. Here's Conwell. Now to Harris. Long way away. Relocates. Fires on the move. That's good. Tyler Harris for three. His fourth of the game. Tyler Harris for three. You can almost retire that phrase. We say it so much. Bulls up by 14. And Tyler Harris has 16 points in the game. Tyler needed eight made threes for the AAC record. He's going to make a run at this thing tonight. Jameer Chaplin, baseline move, goes around a man, hangs and glides and shifts the ball to the left hand and laid it in. What an athletic move by Chap. They don't double team. Russ dribbles into the double team now, tries to step through, shuffles it to Chaplin, layup, rolls in. <laughs> And Jameer Chaplin now with a dozen points. That's his best production since the Houston game when he had 14. Drives to the baseline. Now he cycles it into the corner. Chaplin elevates, fires, and hits. Jameer wow. Chaplin, he's got 15 with that triple. Jameer Chaplin has just gone off here to start the second half with a couple of baskets inside and now a made three-pointer, and the Bulls now lead it by 19 points. The Brian Gregory Show, Jim Lighthall and the head coach himself. Bulls and Memphis Tigers coming up on Wednesday. Coach, this Memphis bunch is now 17-6 on the season. They're 7-3 in the league. They're fourth in the American. This will be a rematch of the game that was played your last game in the 2022 calendar year. And what a fantastically entertaining game that was. You lost 93-86, but man, was that a fun game to call. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you know it's a seven-point game, but it was, you know, one possession game. Four things you got to do. You cannot give up dribble splits. You have to make Davis become a kick-out passer on his drives. You can't foul him on those things, and you can't let him score. You got to give heavy help. You got to sell out and make him kick it out and, and shoot threes. You got to watch their cuts. They're a tremendously good off-ball, weak side, and strong side cutting team. And what those cuts do, Jim, is it allows non-scorers to score points. Can't give those up. You got to rebound the ball because they're tremendous on the offensive glass, which I think we did an unbelievable yeah. job in game one. And then the, the, the final piece is you can't give up transition baskets. Now, because they force turnovers, they're going to get some. 
the ones that disappointed me in game one and I've seen in, against with other teams is you make a basket and then they go down and score and transition on you after you just spent all this time and energy scoring. Now you're just going to give up. We had four of those in that game where they scored a quick basket off of our make. We cannot allow that. And then on offense, you need to play with poise. Can't get rattled. You got to play with strength. Can't get intimidated. And you got to share the ball by keep hitting the next open man. Every time, Jim, we throw a pass to an open man, it breaks down their defense, be it in the full court or in the half court. So we just got to have enough wherewithal, confidence, and trust in each other that if I hit Jim, Jim's going to hit Brian, and Brian's going to hit Billy, and Billy's going to hit, you know, Russ inside. Mm -hmm. You just you got to keep hitting the next open man. If we can do that at home with a crowd that we're going to have, then I'm, I'm excited about this game. Memphis had all five starters in double figures. Kendrick Davis, 24. He also went to the free throw line a lot, which I know yep. is a pain point for you. He also had nine assists and five steals. Sorrell Smith had one of the greatest shooting nights that I can remember in a long time. He had 21 points, seven of eight from the floor, five of six from three, and the lone miss was three-quarters of the way down and popped back out. He was really good. Yeah, and, and we've talked to him you know, and, and showed those clips. Why? Because he got into the spacing and the areas that we want the third perimeter player in against the against the pressure, um, you know. So and he took advantage of it. He took advantage of it. And I think one thing that go went unnoticed is I thought he did a great job defensively on Davis that that game as well. A couple fouls that we got to eliminate, but he was dialed in. We need him dialed in again. And and I think it always starts Jim uh, with with Sorrell. Is he locked in on the defensive end? Because when he's locked in on defense, boy, his offense starts really shining. That game will happen at 7 o'clock at the Yingling Center. Our pregame show will start at 6.30 on Wednesday. And again, that's Rodinko Dobros Day. He'll be celebrated at halftime of that one. Then on the road on Saturday, February the 11th at Cincinnati. Right now, they're 16-8. and eight. They're 7-4. and four. They're fifth in the American Conference as we speak. And this will be a rematch of the January 18th game, Cincinnati won 85-69. And knowing you, I think that's the one game that you would love to have back. Yeah, it's the one game in the league play. We talked earlier. I didn't think we played well in the first half against SMU. Uh, we didn't play well in either half against Cincinnati. And it's really the only full game we didn't compete at the level we're capable of competing at. And again, what... I always say sometimes when a coach says that, it's not degrading of the other team. The other team still has to take advantage of that. And they have to play well to take advantage of it. And Cincinnati did. They shot the ball well. They moved the ball well. They got us completely out of sorts with our defensive coverages on ball screens. We were stretched, I mean, incredibly too far out. And and we, we got to make sure that we're we, – we're crystal clear on what we need to do in those situations. And, you know, they have, you know, three really, really good veteran perimeter players. And you, you, you can't make a mistake or relax on any one of those three. And so going on the road at Cincinnati, we got a great trip planned. We have all our big donors are making the trip. My wife has all our Dayton friends that support us. Night in and night out, they're coming to the game. Calling in the reinforcements. Yeah, we're calling in everybody. About the same six or seven that were at last year's yeah. game. Ryan Conwell has a big group coming. Uh, his brother's a Cincinnati student and uh, close to Indianapolis. Doc, 
has people coming in from West Virginia. Um, and we've won two in a row there. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll be ready to go. I was just going to say, after one win in 35 years in Cincinnati for the USF program, you've won back-to-back trips there. Uh, it's I, I'm not knocking the place. It's not the environment it used to be back in the day, right. and that will be to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the Huggins show, and, yeah. and, and even our second year when we were good, that was a hell of a game we played against Cincinnati with, with Mick was the, was the coach. I mean, you talk about to get after it type of teams, man. God, there was a lot of testosterone running around <laughs> on that court that day with with LaQuincy and Collins and Yetna and, and the guys that they had. Cumberland, yeah. Cumberland and, and uh, they had the big kid inside that I loved that was from Georgia that we had recruited at Georgia Tech. No, kind of under the radar, but just won games for him. You know what I mean? And that NCAA tournament team. You know, so anyways, um, yeah, we've had, you know, and I've been fortunate in my past life to win a couple games there as well. So we just got to keep plugging away. And uh, this is a big week because we're playing two teams above us. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and they're above us in the, in, the, in the standings. So it's a great opportunity for us, Jim. Okay, so that one will be Saturday at 7 o'clock at Cincinnati. Pre-game show at 6.30. And a reminder, Wednesday night here at the Engling Center against the Memphis Tigers. Coach, thanks for sitting down with us. I appreciate it as always. And we'll talk about these two games when they're in the books. Hopefully they're wins. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Jim. That's Bulls head coach Brian Gregory. That's another edition of, as he likes to say, the award-winning Brian Gregory Show right here.